0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Best Construction Show with today's guest, David Mullins, Lean Manager from Mortensen. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, we discuss David's journey to Lean Manager, visual scheduling, tact or flow scheduling, if you want to look it up. We also discuss what's working in his new role, what are some challenges he faces, and where he'd like to see us go as an industry. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our conversations. At the beginning of this episode, you'll hear a clip from the end of our conversation, but I felt it was important for everyone to hear, especially the longtime listeners and supporters. So a big thank you if you fit that description. Enjoy the show. I, I want to say this on the recording appreciate everything um uh, you've done for the show over the years and uh, i'm very appreciative of the people who were early on you know uh, mike fallon commissioner buddy christopher matt consigley yourself people that when you know there wasn't a lot of people listening and it was me with one microphone on an old table um and you know you were still showing up and saying yeah i want to talk about this stuff and these other people were showing hey yeah i want to do that and i'm appreciative of all those people that kind of were if not day one super early on supporters of this conversation because it's grown and it's become a lot more but it doesn't happen unless it was people like you sending me messages and saying hey i love this no one else is talking about this and um so just want to make sure on the record
1: good on, to do that good on you it, it's it's i can only imagine the amount of work it takes to put one show together never <laughs> mind to um to do them all i was actually looking through that list a uh, week ago um this to to find our two previous conversations <laughs> and i was like wow this is some long list right now yeah. that is a lot of hours and a lot of dedication and yeah, I just now. love it because you've exposed me to so many aspects of construction that I wasn't aware of, and mm. you have helped me advance my knowledge and make me better. And uh, um, I love the idea that a little bit that I know I can share with other people to to help them do the same.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what this is about, right? I know it sounds cheesy, but I kind of it says it on the website and probably other places. It's a place. To help people be better at what they do and that's including me right because i'm not getting better without people like you being willing to come on and tell me things i don't know fucking anything about lean you know what i mean i read some headlines here or there i have some people say bad things some people say good things so let me talk to someone that actually knows something so yeah it's a lot of work but um i'm learning alongside everybody else so uh this is awesome. So I just want to say I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully I'll have you back soon on a, on a new topic. David Mullins, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thank you, welcome Joel. Back. Great to be back. Welcome back. Yeah, th- th- third time. It's funny looking back, you guys are still, uh, yourself and Adam, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, but it's still the third most listened to episode of all time. And it's funny, very few older ones hung on because I think more people are listening later. So uh, 80% of that list is all within the last couple of years, except for yours, in the yours, Mike Fish, and Essential Craftsman. Um, That's great. and essential grassman has a hundred i mean a million subscribers on youtube so like i I love that guy
1: i've i've started to watch his his youtube videos and i just love his he's very authentic and i don't know when you're older i think you get to like just command a little presence and say things without any fear (laughs) of i don't he 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 speaks from his knowledge of the last like 50 years which is uh, an interesting perspective.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're onto something there. It's almost like uh, I felt like I was talking to a philosopher more than a carpenter.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's, like you he's said, a very smart guy and well able to 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 craft his argument and bring it across. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the perspective of fifty years. That's it. right. There's That's a lot it. of a lot of wisdom that comes with that, and I've actually kind of recycled a bunch of clips from his videos as of late. I mean, and that was, I think, four or five years ago that I had him on. But I just kind of rediscovered it. And I'm like, I it's it's, it's my it's my show, and I enjoy listening to yep. it. Um, he has just such great perspective. And I think one of the things we're going to talk about today, um, I want to bring up um, one of his outlooks in life and how that kind of – goes against lean but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get'll we'll get, okay. we'll get to that in a little bit um, but yeah it's funny it's uh, so you're out in Chicago now yeah work,
1: work in Illinois so I'm part of Mortensen. and uh, this year in March time frame I switched roles from being a PM uh, managing um, mechanical, A large mechanical package to moving over to the lean world. And Mm -hmm. now my role is a lean manager. And my philosophy and my goal is how do we make the work easier? And Mm -hmm. keep coming to every situation with that lens. How do we make the work easier? And if we can make the work easier, then naturally um, it becomes. better for the craft it becomes better for the office it becomes easier to do it becomes more satisfying and when you can make it easier then it naturally flows better um, and naturally gets done more easily mm-hmm. um, so it starts to encompass all those other um, attributes that you're looking for
0: mm-hmm. yeah i want to dig in a little bit more on that but before I do, because there's so many kind of new folks, I, I should set the table a little bit more about David, because David did two episodes, we, you know, we were brainstorming and I liked your approach and Adam Kreitman's approach to uh, lessons learned. And I think you're going to see that theme come up today when yeah. we talk, you know, so we had just two episodes on basically being project managers and, yeah, you know, how do you look at, it? how did Adam look at it and what was the... What was your perspective? And I think people who do jobs just like to see how other people do it. And I think that's why it resonated. And you guys, neither of you were claiming to be the best, right? You're like, well, this is how I do it. And, and and I thought you and Adam, you know, put a lot of time and effort into your role. So I thought you would be good people to talk to. And then it's it, it's, it, it, it's funny, you lived here. We didn't see each other that much, but it, it's it, it's funny you moved out to Chicago. And I like you know, it's not like we were best friends, but I like, you're, it's funny with you. um, I'm happy for you, but I'm disappointed. I'm like, I kind of wish Dave was back here. Like, I don't know why. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I I felt like I had a a good connection with you and I don't know where it it comes from, but um, you know, obviously I'm I'm happy you're doing well out there. Um, And then the other thing is you, that article you wrote for the website still has legs. I think you wrote it maybe three or four years ago.
1: Yeah, the mission critical.
0: Yeah, it's just for, you know, shits and giggles. I looked at the stats before we hopped on, but, you know, your first year is a little more, but, uh, you know, a thousand people a year are going to that article. And I would recommend people that listen, if you're interested in mission critical construction, which is really another way of saying data center. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Uh,
1: Yeah.
0: It's a good article for you to get an understanding of kind of what goes into mission critical construction what it is i really liked your kind of simple kind of one line draw diagram on you know n plus one design and i think it's a good concept for people to learn because i I have since seen n plus one design in other places yeah and i'm like "Ah." (laughs) i i was like i wouldn't have known what this was but i read dave's and then i was like oh wow okay good read Um, maybe
1: i'm just lucky in the right place at the right time but data centers have really i think exploded that was three years ago when we did that uh little um article and mm. it's just such a buzzword now with so many so many companies and there's just so much work out there in 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 data centers with the explosion of ai and all the new <coughs> opportunities that that brings about that uh to build capacity is just a big challenge for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and the amount of cloud storage that's needed for absolutely everything. So that's the backstory of who Dave is for the new folks. He was a big part of the show when it was the early days, and I'm appreciative of that, and great resource, and we're excited to have you back after a couple of years off. So you started to talk about the new position of lean manager, but yours is kind of uh, two things. I want to ask you know h- how did you end up with this position, and then kind of the follow up is it's not just lean manager, it's lean manager for a particular site, right? Okay. Um. All right.
1: So let me let me answer that first. How did they become the lean manager? And
0: yeah, I what would... were you before?
1: Yeah, so I was a project manager and, and I was a project manager for, with this company, three years and another, you know, I, I've been in the construction industry since I was 16 and I started off as a carpenter and then I spent a couple of years at that and I got my engineering degree back in Ireland as a structural engineer, so I got a bit of engineering background and then a bit more carpentry experience and then I went working for a Boston general contractor and started to get involved with project management. And I worked on that for a while. And I was always very close to the actual craft and what the actual work in place value was. Were you a PM then I,
0: super? What were you doing for the GC at the time in Boston?
1: I, w- I would say <laughs> I was um PM, but I very much become a hybrid PM superintendent. Okay. Then I went to Com Tishman, who... Um, I was with their data center group, and mm-hmm. I was with them for four years, and that was a traveling position uh, around the U.S. And that was definitely a hybrid PM superintendent mm-hmm. role. Then I came to Martinson, and with Martinson, I was a project manager for uh, three years, managing a mechanical trade partner mainly on mm-hmm. like that very large scale um, data data center, you know, hyperscale hey, type type projects so in that time as a project manager uh i gravitated towards what are the behaviors that end up leading to success and you know we have tried to work on more visual scheduling management so Mm -hmm. you know we use p6 but we also try and integrate we call it flow scheduling or tax scheduling. And I was around for the infancy and the incubation of that flow scheduling and tax scheduling. And it's my nature that when something comes up, I might not fully believe it, but I start to do a lot of research and I start to like dig in pretty deep on like, what is the theory around this? What's the background? And I went off and I did some training on it and I came back and I was like this is the real thing this is absolutely this can this can make a huge difference here and along the way I learned so many little facets about you know becoming more complete in what we're doing of like we're trying to get the whole team to see one plan together we're trying to get the whole team to uh, align around this one plan and be fully versed around what that is and Schedule management is such a huge part of what we do because we're, we're building in a very physical way and we need to have all the sequence parts together correctly or generally they don't work. Um, so I would say I dug in really deeply on how do we, how, how do we move forward with, with schedule management beyond just P6 and started to realize that tax planning is, in my view, the next evolution. Of
0: scheduling. uh, Sorry for interrupting, but is flow scheduling and tax scheduling, they're both like a more visual way of scheduling. Are they the different names for the same thing or are they two different things?
1: Uh, Let's say they're the same thing. Um, So it's like Coke and Pepsi? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, But it is a very visual method of seeing a project and seeing all the critical flows and seeing the connections all on one page and uh, i think of it like the evolution of 2d drawings and vdc Mm -hmm. bim modeling of like sure 2d drawings hold all the information but the value is when you get to turn those things into something bigger that is um Collectively shown together, and you can zoom out and see the whole picture, and then like uh, funnel right in and zoom into a specific detail and see if you have any clashes. And you know, our goal as builders is to uncover problems ahead of time so that we can work as a team to get them resolved. And mm. you know, just VDC is just one of the ways we do that, where we build a we build a project virtually so that we can find some of the problems before we go into the field.
0: Yeah, that's a great uh way to describe it. The um, 2D drawings versus a 3D model and traditional CPM scheduling is like the 2D drawing versus flow schedule where you've got the visualization.
1: Yeah. And I think it has, you know, P6 is is a great it is a, a functional scheduling program, but we are looking for more people on site especially on like large projects where you get into like very complex scheduling and a lot of interconnection between things we need to be able to see things more clearly and the interconnection between things and then we need to be able to make our schedules more accessible to our foreman and to our craft because if Mm. they can see in an instant where what's happening and where they need to be then naturally they will they will um they will you know fall in line more easily but large p6s are very difficult to understand
0: Mm. um, yeah i bet bet being able to visualize uh, not only where the job is going but where your piece impacts everybody else yep you know, that when that all becomes clear, like, oh, hey, I'm dependent upon this person, I need to do this stuff in this manner, because all these other people are depending on me. And um, yeah, I could see that where where that would be kind of a big, a big plus for a project from top to bottom. So the scheduling, the visual scheduling was kind of your first dip. So yeah, let's let's use that as
1: one, one example, I got really deep in that. And then I was able to you know, work with some trade partners who were like, okay, we'll give it a go. And then over time, they really started to see the benefits of this method of scheduling and started to, you know, transfer their whole operation to this way of thinking and, you know, had some success that way. And then there's also like this lessons learned when we did presentation three years ago Mm -hmm. I was on my journey of lessons learned and just making that a practice of weekly, how can you reflect on the circumstances you've seen and the, um, the, the, what you've observed in the past week and how could you affect the outcome differently by changing some variable in that process. Um, so that has given me some ideas on how do you, How do you truly work with lessons learned and how complex our construction world is? Mm. And I was asked, I was, I was asked by, by some of the senior people in our company of, um, we want to really start building our lean culture. And would you be interested in taking this role and, and, uh, and running with it? Because you, you know, you practice a lot of the things that we ask.
0: Yeah, and you seem to be showing an interest in it, right? <clears throat> kind of honing your craft with it. Yeah. Now, I, I what I found interesting and why I wanted to have you in particular on was, and maybe the world has changed and I just missed it, but historically when I've seen lean roles, um, it's much more at like a C-level type, person that well this is going to be our champion of lean who's going to spread the word across our company and get everybody to start thinking lean and it's much more like a lean champion and like a maybe we'll you know helicopter into a job and help get everybody going in the right direction but then they're gone you know off to something else your position seems different where no you're the lean manager on your project to me, that's no different than a project manager or a super or an APM or whatever other role there is on the job. You're that for that job. Was it just the scope of the project that made them go that route uh, where you have, you know, you're talking of billions of dollars worth of work, probably thousands of tradespeople. Is that a fair assessment, your current job?
1: Yeah, it's 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 large scale um, stuff. But I suppose... Uh, It it is an interesting position because Mm. you don't often see a lean manager um, on every large project. It's just Mm. um, not something that's typical, I would say. But I think we often have, in complex construction, um, especially on the large scale, we end up with some fragmentation. So we need to try and pull all those things together. Um, And sometimes uh, a lean manager can help you know, connect the dots between between some of the the divisions and between some of the, the activities that happen individually to contribute to the whole. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate that it's a bit unusual, um, mm. but I also, the vision of Martinson is that um, we need to think a little bit differently about our construction. We need to radically do certain things differently um, so that we can truly advance the industry and that we can, you know, truly build a little bit differently than how we have previously done it for, you know, many hundreds of years. So I think that leads into the, the, you know, the strategic trajectory that we can start to justify new positions that are very new very different from anything typical
0: yeah and i think it guarantees or not guarantees but it really improves the odds that lean gets implemented on a project cuz one of the critiques i've heard over the years and i was talking to an owner and there was a particular company that was really preaching lean right and it was an institutional client and they used this they used a bunch of gcs cuz they do so much Work, But one GC they used over and over and I was chatting with him and I said, you know, such and such ABC company, you know, is really going hot and heavy on lean, huh? And his answer was, yes, he's like, but it depends on the job. He goes, if, if it's a super that is bought in and is put in these practices, we're seeing great stuff from that company when it comes to, you know, lean and delivering and different kind of job sites. But if we if we get, you know, Super A instead of super B, then you know it's it's no no different than anybody else.
1: And that is like that's absolutely true. Like lean is just a continuous improvement journey. And mm. you need to build a culture around continuous improvement and it becoming mm. part of your values and it becoming part of the You know culture and um like that is what we're looking to do is to build this growth mindset type of Mm. you know situation where people are just so well respected and there's a high you know value and kind of uh respect for the craft and for the labor and for the work Mm-hmm. Um, and that becomes the foundation of, OK, how do you build trust and how do you, you know, how do you have good conversations with people? And then how do you talk with them and say, you know, how, tell me about how you're doing your work, what's important to you and um, is there anything that would make it easier? And you start to like incubate people thinking about what might make their work better and then implementing some of those ideas on a on a test scale and then building off that. Um, it's not about flying in with solutions to problems. It's about working with everybody wherever they're at and leading by example and by like truly being a coach to them that, that, you know, everybody can, can, uh, can grow a little bit and continue because, the 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 thing with lean is it's never done. You know, you always gotta be
0: continuous. You gotta, you, gotta <laughs> be,
1: you gotta grow from yesterday and then you gotta tomorrow you gotta do try for something a little bit new. Mm. And it's just supporting that, you know, supporting but, innovation.
0: Yeah, don't you think that takes the right kind of person though?
1: I think one of the reasons that I might have been asked to do this is it's a high respect for the craft, it's a high respect for superintendents, it's a high respect for project managers everybody is trying their best in their role and in their seat and it's how do you bring a new insight to okay as a whole can we can we look at this whole process or can we look at things differently and how do you um bring some new insights to that
0: yeah you have to be willing to do that though right like i mean we know that i would say the majority of people are not willing to do that or don't want to do that. They don't want to wake up and say, Oh, I'm gonna try and do something different every single day to get better. We're all humans, right? Where there's a little bit of human nature in that, and myself included, there's some days where I'm like, I don't want another app. I don't want another whatever. I just leave me the fuck alone. I just I'm tired of new things. Just let me do what I'm comfortable with. So I think it takes the right I think it takes the right kind of person to be able to pull this off. And I think, frankly, if I'm being critical here for a second, if I'm uh, whether lean is right or wrong, I think that current model of a lean manager that helicopter's in is never gonna work. In the same way, like, there's one sustainability manager at a company. There's one lean manager, and they're just gonna make it, like, it doesn't work that way. If it is that important, then there should be that person on the job site full-time and now will it get to a point where it becomes more like safety where okay it's everybody's job and maybe that need for that person is kind of fades away and it just becomes part of a project manager and a super job but in the interim if you want to create that culture that you're talking about i think there needs to be boots on the ground full-time and say we're committed right yeah and that's you know, you always
1: want to you want to gear yourself towards building a sustaining system. So, mm. you know, you talked about a helicopter fly-in lean person. Mm. That's not great because every time that lean person flies in, then something will change on site and they'll react and then they'll go away again and it will fall back to what the standard baseline is. Mm. Ideally, you want to build that growth mindset of, people really connecting with their work and people seeing value in improving the situation some way Um, and people being you know getting to a train the trainer situation where okay you might train people once and then these people end up being the next trainers of the next group coming through and -hmm. if you can do something like that then you end up starting to build more of a sustaining culture rather than fly-in, everybody react, and then it's over and done. You know? So yeah. it, it is definitely, it needs to be a long game of just make a small incremental improvement that's sustained rather than have a large variance of something and then that it falls back to um, even below a current place. You, you know, if there's a yeah. lot of variance. So, it's just like small incremental steps.
0: Yeah. Could you help people, you know, kind of get their arms around what it is that you actually do? Like, what, what did your day look like? Okay. As a, as a lean well, manager.
1: So, I mean, like, to all the construction people out there, I will say, like, my, my vision is that we enhance and build our respect for the craft i mean i think there's such skill and there's such complexity construction and sometimes our craft don't get the respect that they deserve for working in um such a kind of a complex environment and then Mm -hmm. having to do manual labor and having to build everything that's around us and at times it isn't as respected as a dentist who's working in your mouth doing a filling you know Um, Mm. And I'd love to be able to say that my life's work is to marginally change that and Mm. convince people that change some minds of that. The craft is a beautiful thing and Mm. it's, you know, highly satisfying and highly respected. And, you know, when you do a day's labor and you put in quality work and you walk away and you look at, you know, well-installed plumbing or electrical work or masonry or any trade that the satisfaction that comes with that is amazing. And that is going to be my basis for all the other things that happen. And that is, we want to build that respect for the work. And then we want to make the work really easy. So what would it take to have absolute um, stability on our job sites? And what would that look like? And what I have learned from all my experience in construction and what i've seen as the future is for absolute stability and predictability we need to get to the point of prefabrication kitting and more modular type builds and what would that mean that would mean that a craftsperson is using their hands to install something perfect every time and maybe it would remove some of the noise that we get of having to go find things and move things and you know do work that isn't isn't the value-adding work of the construction process um and And you you say
0: not value-adding like going to get tools or going to find a ladder or yeah, like that's not value-adding right that's
1: It's it's necessary process in the current in the current um, mm-hmm. in the current stick build environment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but you know the vision of the future is that like job sites are so absolutely clean because they only have exactly what's needed to install. It. There's mm-hmm. no there's nothing extra, and it's mm-hmm. only there in the perfect uh, time sequence. So you can you only have what you need, and you don't have anything else to be in the way or to be challenging to the environment mm. and then how much satisfaction there would be from being fully present with your work and being fully able to complete um, like satisfying work all day every day without some of the some of the challenges that are typical of construction projects
0: mm. so like that's the vision right which is yeah people that are doing work that's respected work that is well planned out productive with less waste from material standpoint time to standpoint by going getting tools or driving to home depot to get what you need and come come back and then putting out a product that people can be proud of right like that's kind of the vision when you go to work as a lean manager, what do you do to make that happen? Well,
1: I suppose the, the long view is like that. How do we get to more prefabrication? And like, how do we get to everything being prefabricated? Um, and it's going to be incremental steps along the way. But um, looking at more and more opportunities and then having more and more conversations. And when people are showing interest and I mean people I mean trade partners are showing interest in prefabrication how do you support them to you know share some of the challenges that go with leaning towards that and Hmm. how do you support them and keep building that because it's very hard to start one job and get somebody fully dialed up on you know prefabrication strategies But if you look at it a little bit longer, over longer term, over probably maybe multiple jobs and you keep that cycle going, then Mm -hmm. you can make a lot of improvement. Um, I'm gonna uh, just add on one final bit of like, a lot of certain trade partners, and you've talked a lot about it on your show of trade partners who have embraced prefabrication it mm-hmm. takes changing the system quite radically. Um, you've had electricians on and you've had, you know, like there all not- fire protection and like yep. a lot of all sheet metal and all, you know, mechanical systems and all those. So those are typical VDC elements and then they go through some type of shop facility and they get delivered. Mm. A lot of our stick build trades just haven't gone through that process yet. Mm-hmm. And how do we, how do we, you know, encourage and help them to get, to, to start buying into that journey and to start trying and to, um, take the first step.
0: Yeah. How do you, though, as David Mullins do it, do you call on the subs on the phone, call on the project manager, uh, going out specifically into the field and say, you know, okay, what's your assembly process on this like, why can't we do this in the shop? Like, are you pushing people in, in, in that way? Um, so, I mean, the,
1: the, the small wins you can have out, out in the field are just mm-hmm. going out and looking at what's happening and then talking to foreman and talking to superintendents and, you know, saying, asking simple questions like, what's the biggest challenge you get with your work and just observing them. And then if you can build trust and they can actually tell you, what's going on and what their true challenges are then you take it the next step and you say okay i would like to help you with this and we we form some type of a plan to figure out that element you know simple things like just having everything on wheels sounds like such a simple little ask but some trade partners might be challenged with do we have enough carts to support right. that, right. or what do we need, or do we you know like we we have this challenging palette that comes in, and we don't have a solution for this, and you know you start to like it's a very small step in the process, but it's like, okay, so if we want to get everything on wheels, what do we need to do for that? We need to work with all our trade partners. we need to identify how much material and product we need to get enough of these carts and we need to you know build that in financially or pay for them in some way mm-hmm. and then if we want to make that the standard then we need to get back that back into our discussions okay. and precon for future jobs and kind of starting to create a sustaining system of elevating our standards everywhere we go every time we we um every time we build
0: yeah i was just about to ask you that so are you finding that solutions you're coming up with or problems you're solving you're then reporting that back and say okay hey when we buy out the next job let's make sure we're buying x y and z out with it
1: yeah you know we um a lot of i mean it depends on what what sometimes trade partners are are believed that you know it's an upfront investment that they don't recoup Um, and then when you say okay i'll i'll help you with this we'll fund some of this Mm -hmm. load in the beginning and then they start working with a new strategy it can turn around pretty quickly of oh we would never actually go back to the old way we were doing something they're the real driving you they're the real big wins because if you can get two or three of those together, then you build a great momentum around like trying new things. And then you really start to get ideas from, you know, the craft and from the field. Um, So that's the ideal state. But certain things we need to say, this is our new philosophy of how we want to do stuff. This is our new standard on site. And then we got to get back to um, having those conversations in pre-con and just saying, you know, this... This is something that we've seen consistently before. We need to overcome it. And this is what we're looking for as the new expectation.
0: Uh, you you stole my question because that's what I was going to ask you. Because you said this is our philosophy. And I was going to, my, my question was going to be, is it a philosophy or is it an expectation? But it sounds like that, you answered the question. You need to turn them into
1: expectations, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. Um. um do you have the autonomy in your role to do the things you kind of alluded to, like supporting the subcontractors in some way, but, you know, do you have the autonomy? And like, uh, I was going to say, like, if you talk to the sub and say, listen, if you prefab all of these racks or whatever it is, I'll arrange to get you additional hoist time for a longer period when you want it. I know you're not working with a hoist. So maybe you then go to the super and say, okay, instead of giving them one room at a time, if, if they prefab all this, can we give them four rooms at a time? And then it's kind of a give and take where you could go to the subcontractor and say, listen, we really want you to prefabricate. You, we need you to do that. And then what we'll do is if you prefabricate, instead of giving you one room at a time, we're going to give you four rooms at a time. So you can be much more productive. Like, do you have that um, autonomy <clears throat> to, me to do to. that? Or So you,
1: I will that. say that for significant prefabrication efforts, it takes a true whole team to um, make that happen. Because if it, mm-hmm. if it's truly like a large scale prefabrication effort, <laughs> there's a lot goes into making that happen. Of you know where are we going to build this? How is it going to get built? <clears throat> What's the module going to look like? How is it going to be transported? How is it going to be mm-hmm. hoisted in place? Um, those decisions need to be made in with the correct time frame that they can be managed properly, and that's really it's it's at the start of a job um and i I mean it's a it's a big topic of conversation all Mm -hmm. the time of like what are the elements that we can do differently what are the elements we can prefabricate and where can we see opportunities right away to, Mm -hmm. to start to do that um but it is it is you know they're like they are big conversations to make sure that that the system can support um a large-scale prefabrication effort okay so sometimes you gotta like micro you gotta incubate on a micro scale here of Mm. or on a micro scale of wherever you are of okay um a trade partner was going to stick build everything how can we get them to just assemble a small three or four parts before they put that in the wall? Mm -hmm. How can we, how can we start the journey of prefabrication? Um, now what can we do immediately to just do something and, you know, test the the waters?
0: Yeah. And so let me ask it. Um, Another way, take prefab off the table because it's too big of a scope to do midstream, that kind of stuff, right? But in general, I guess what I was really trying to get at was, does your role involve horse trading, kind of, Um, where it might just be, okay, you know what, we want you to schedule this differently, i know you don't have the staff for that what if we helped you with you know the modeling or something is there do you have uh, is that part of your role as a way to like say hey where could we selectively spend some dollars we don't own doing that for them but this might be a way where we're trying to all move in the right direction it might make sense for us to spend a couple dollars or a few hours as mortensen to help this trade partner to be more productive in the long run and have a more you know lean project like is yeah that part I mean, of it?
1: um I, I know where you're going and mm. like yeah, we will like we will help um if something makes sense then we will we will do everything in our power to to make that happen and to help out, mm. you know, to um support that so at times, yeah, we got to support or we got to say, let's do a little collaboration effort between three people or whoever it is on, on this one element that we can get to this goal and, mm-hmm. you know, share a rack or do something, share mm-hmm. some equipment that, that might be on site or available or something that's a, you know, assists the team mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, do better.
0: Okay, so y- you've been working and trying, obviously, to get everybody else better. In a- Mortensen, I'm sure you're probably looking internally, right? We're trying to get everybody better here, uh, more lean, if that's the right way to describe it. Um, what are some of your wins? What are some of your biggest wins?
1: Um, like that, I, I take a lot of... A lot of uh... Satisfaction from some of the scheduling work, um, and that is the to me schedule is one of the big foundations of a construction project. And how do you? It's one of the key documents that everybody references for so many things. Yeah. And if you can create a more accessible schedule that's more accurate and that has more um, that it that there's more communication in one visual clarity exactly then you end up seeing more challenges seeing more issues and then being able to solve them in in more time Um, so i had some huge successes with that um and then just like digging in a bit more about like what are the differences of you know how we're what do what do the top performers do? What's leading to their success and starting to like share those um, ideas, you know, seeing, you know, what what are the elements to uh, being successful in multiple different um, crafts and trades and sharing that and um, and then there's always lean is about continuous improvement. And this is the paradox of you want to try new things, but you also want to try and keep working to a standard so that you can see variance if it's happening. So you're always trying to elevate your standard all the time, but trying to build on that and make it better. So how are we building our standard for how we approach everything, how we approach um, you know the the office side of things what is our standard there and um, how do we improve on that um, and similarly in the field what are the elements of the field work and um, what are our standards there how do we build on that and what are the new things we're going to try yeah.
0: so <clears throat> the wins would be the visual scheduling Adopting that scheduling. on the project, right? Yeah. Both both Mortensen and Trade Partner, right? Yeah. Um, and that think say- to stability,
1: like stability for everybody on site, you know? Okay. If you can get a really accurate and predictable schedule, then everything else becomes more stable.
0: And then, um, you know, I've heard you say, fabrication and getting things on wheels right so even if it's just small pieces like oh hey this elbow that we have to sweat let's get that done in the shop so we're not doing that in the wall and let's get these things on rack so those might be some you know physical work in place kind of wins right yeah yeah and then uh, do you feel like you have any wins on that You know first thing that you mentioned so it's probably pretty high on your list which is um respect for the workforce and you know maybe a a sense of pride and workmanship are you do you have any wins there yet or do you is there oh yeah
1: i mean i think i think um i think martinson has a nice approach to all that that they really do like care for the craft and they Mm -hmm um understand it because they have so many crafts under their umbrella too mm-hmm. um but like that when you're seen out in the field when you are recognizing people out in the field who are doing nice work and it's you know you're not always out there to find fault you're out there to actually acknowledge work then that can be really powerful for people who are working every day and mm-hmm you know they're not used to actually being recognized and they're not used to somebody saying you know that looks really nice there what you're after doing and i see the level of craftsmanship you put mm. into this um element of work that you're doing mm. right now um and then you get to like have more conversation of you know taking it the next step
0: mm. do you do you feel like from when you started on this i'll call it a journey right because from how you're describing it, it sounds like more of a journey to me. Um, Are you noticing, and obviously this isn't um, quantitative really, but um, do you notice a different vibe on the site or a a different energy or attitude? Um, I mean,
1: I think there's a, there's a exceptional culture and energy Uh, where I work and that's not me it's everybody you know it's everybody pulling together Mm. and it's everybody working towards a common goal and it's everybody respecting each other Mm. um, and supporting each other like that when there's challenging things come up solving problems as a team Um, but I think every little bit helps you know
0: yeah and it's a giant job so I'm not saying across the board everybody's walking around with big smiles on their face and sunshine and rainbows but are you seeing like, are you seeing pockets of people that are kind of getting on board and saying, "Hey, this is great that we're doing this. I'm I'm glad that we've put it all on wheels now." Because I'm, you know, we were slugging pipe over our shoulder, and I hated that. I'd load it in one place, and then Super shows up and says, "Oh, you can't put it there," and then we're moving it over there. Like, do you, you know, do you get just kind of um, a, a sense that? the needles moving
1: a a, a little bit i mean there's there's some anecdotal things that you hear of people say this is the most organized jobs that they've ever been on their life that's huge they would never um want to work anywhere else even though you know um and like you hear those kind of things and sometimes foreman might go away and they might come back again and they were like we didn't appreciate how how this job site operates compared to others we've been on mm. so hearing some of those things um, I think there can be some reflections, good reflections at times of that the effort and the continuous improvement, um, it's never going to be enough but it it is helping our craft have the best environment um, mm. they can be in
0: All right. All of this sounds very nice and uh, sunny and optimistic and positive. But at the end of the day, the rubber needs to meet the road. Someone's going to pay for you, right? So we're going to put a lean manager on site full time. We're going to pay for this has there been any sense of an roi to this effort whether it's you know uh, straight you know uh, dollars and cents or if it is anecdotal or is this really what you said in the beginning which is it's a long game where okay maybe it's a net small negative on the first job but it's like that uh one degree of change kind of thing by the time you go out fifty yards, you're in a completely different place yeah. um, what's the deal? Are you losing the money? Are you making the money uh, is it is there any r o i or okay. is this the long game
1: interesting uh interesting question um so you know i will I will give my personal mm-hmm. trajectory um, mm-hmm for this answer and that is that um my goal is to end up in the superintendent route where you are very field facing and you are very in connection connected to the to the work in place. Mm. I lean much more towards a superintendent than the traits of a project manager. Um, and by spending some time in the lean role where you are becoming a coach you were becoming a trainer you were becoming the uh, the visionary of what we're looking for in the future mm-hmm. um that puts you in that gives you a totally different lens and a different mindset to you know um be in the superintendent role after that so it's much like the complete um A complete team player for any construction role might be to spend some time in different seats so that you can see things from different perspectives Mm -hmm. um and i definitely consider it like that of uh, a great um opportunity to like very much
0: just be better at what you do Yeah. yeah and then how about from an impact on a job though like is someone looking at this job and saying hey we're Absolutely. Healthy, I well, mean, productive because we're out there every, paying attention to this shit versus just winging every, it like, you combos. know,
1: I, I don't think uh, there's ever a role that people aren't looking at and saying, is this adding value? Um, mm-hmm. and what is the return on it? And, you know, sometimes things aren't as uh, tangible in an instant. Um, mm-hmm. but you're, Probably being judged on like that are we doing the things that we're 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 asking of this role which is are we building on our standards are we getting better and is it is it like metrics driven hmm. um and is that role bringing us the intent of what we set out to do in the beginning um and a lot of that is the training and the mentality and the coaching and the um the items that go with with that
0: mm. and you feel like they're seeing that i i hope they are okay because it's a it's an interesting thought exercise which is you know things get done where are like okay hey we're gonna um bring caterers into the job site every day just make an example yep. right where and we're going to provide excellent food and like clean settings and what, whatever else each trade person really needs. Right. Um, and when you look at it from a straight line item perspective, you say, and that's foolish. We're losing money on that. But if the hope is that, Hey, we're going to do this, but if we do this tradespeople want to work on our site subcontractors yeah. want to work with mm-hmm. us so we're going to get the best subcontractors and the best trades people coming to work for us so maybe if you just looked at a straight sp- spreadsheet it's a loser but you yeah. we are investing for the next job and the next job and relationships and having better people work there and then you know three jobs from now that's a drop in the bucket compared to having you know best in class subcontractors and tradespeople uh, on your job and you know you're making you're making that money back tenfold um so i think did you do you um do you have a do you have a sense on how they're looking at that role is it more of the hey we're trying to change a culture or is it hey let's do this and we want to see you know productivity and you know profit increased you know a half a percent on this job
1: i i think i think the way the um leadership team look at it is uh we want to advance certain elements of how we do our work and uh you know it's construction so a lot of it is work in place how do we how do we you know um how do we do our work in place a little bit differently and when you have resources that are always tied up in the doing and that's superintendents and that's project managers then it's very hard to um, step above that and see how is everybody working together and um, how are everybody working um, collaboratively and are we doing things consistently and that becomes the role of the uh lean manager is to start looking at it from a little bit higher perspective um and starting to to you know um work on some of those things if there are any any variances between any of those parts and pieces
0: Mm. what would your what would your advice be to companies that are considering um Increasing how much they use lean and maybe exploring a lean manager. Would you say that there is? Um, is there like a threshold from the size of a project? Like if it's a you know two thousand square foot tenant fit out, probably not a full time lean manager. But like once you, what, what would you tell someone that was saying, hey? this is interesting what we're hearing, you know, what would you say would be the right way to kind of incorporate a lean manager into a general contractors?
1: Well, you know, I'm still learning and I'm still very much kind of fresh in this position, but Mm. I have had the opportunity to, um, partner and see some manufacturing plants and some other, um organizations that have been on a lean journey for many many years Mm -hmm. and it is amazing to get insights into some of those cultures and to see the day-to-day operations of what does it mean to truly be a lean organization and that means that you're you know super responsive and that everything is super visual and that there's a fully systematized way for approaching everything and everything is very stable. Um, And, uh, you know, to do that, you really have to have full buy-in from the very top of the organization. It can't just be a, you know, um, uh, it can't just be a nice to have um, because it's it truly is a long term investment, and sure you can get a lot of returns after you've done the work and after you've committed to the investment time frame, and then you can compound some results off the end. But um, it takes really full level of leadership buy in to actually make it possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a good perspective, because yeah,
1: <clears throat> and it takes time. It takes a lot of time.
0: Yeah, it's no different than safety, right? We've all seen the companies where they'll have a safety person, but the message from the top is is different than what.
1: Um... Yeah, I think that would be a very challenging environment to be in because.
0: Yeah, because then they just that person becomes almost like a yeah, you're going to come out here and we're going to play this game, but we know at the end of the day, you're just move along. We got a building to build. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it comes from the top and this full buy-in and you know that, Oh, Hey, no, wait a minute. If I don't do this, uh, I'm not going to be welcome here anymore. Right. Yeah, and you
1: don't when you, yeah. When that's the the culture of you don't fit in if you don't get on board very mm-hmm. quickly and live this every day then and you you know maybe i'll share a part of the reason that lean has really grown in our organization at this time because we've we've really grown our organization um recently in the lean community going from you know one lean director to you know many more resources in the company um i think the time is right of the the there's a challenge for resources in trades, and it's hard to um, it's hard to find the labor that's required. Um, and the the leader of our organization has been on a lean journey himself for twenty years of getting coaching and getting a lot of um, lean mentoring. And mm-hmm. you know now he sees the value of it so it becomes okay how do we do this as an organization and when you've invested all that time yourself then it's much easier to be on board and to support it and to um you know grow that Hmm.
0: so you said 20 years huh like i I didn't even realize uh lean was a thing 20 years ago i know it was like a big manufacturing sorry i'm I'm losing this battle with it yeah Uh, Sorry, and it,
1: yeah. I mean the, you know, a lot of the lean originates from the Toyota production, Taichi mm-hmm. Ono, you know, and like he is only two descendants from where we are today. Um, of, but it's that has never been replicated what they did mm-hmm. in Toyota. Um, that chi uh, ono just nobody has been able to match his purity and ability to um, ability to to mentor and and bring his people to that way of, uh, of, of
0: yeah excellence hmm. do you think this is a much um, headier conversation but do you think with lean adoption we could ever get to a place where we drive down cost of construction because i mean the criticism kind of, of of construction sometimes is everywhere else in the economy yeah costs have come down whether it's software or it's a hard thing like a something that's manufactured over time yeah cost goes down because of yeah efficiency and uh, scale and all that kind of stuff but construction seems to do the opposite do you think lean is a can, so can actually at the end of the day make the building you're building now cheaper next time
1: that is that is a um a likely outcome and you know i've seen some presentations from companies in Europe, especially, who've been using more lean principles for a long time, and that is the type of results that they have seen of when they start to follow lean principles of, you know, promoting flow, limiting work in place, um, eliminating waste, creating respect for people, um, all these types of lean, you know, ideals then you limit inventory and then you like, you can, you Mm -hmm. can really do amazing things with your manpower needs and, you know, your responsiveness. And like, you know, I got a presentation from a person in Germany who did a, who, who came over and gave us a lean seminar of just how far their company had, had, gone in, I'm not sure how long it was, his name is Marco Mm. Benninger and uh, maybe he was there for 15 years and they were building apartments and residential type units and by standardizing some of the process and by making it um, more repetitive Mm -hmm. um, and more standard, they were 50% cost below the the their competitor or something to that effect and then they could deliver the construction like significantly faster than their uh, competitors with higher quality wow. and that's <clears throat> the type of you know you're never looking to sacrifice one for another you're never looking mm-hmm. to sacrifice safety or quality or anything but if you can make the work really easy then it naturally becomes faster to do and it naturally becomes more productive hmm. so if you just go chasing productivity then you're you're gonna lose out on the other things but if you can make the work easier then you probably um you probably approach it better with a different yeah. mindset so
0: that blows up the old triangle they say which is you can have it uh, this fast cheap and high quality pick two yeah
1: and, you know, in construction, we often like we have multiple different trades and everybody is going a different speed and then everybody is looking for a different section of area to work in. Mm. And when you add in all those variables, you get to a huge amount of chaos where people are going fast and then they're running into roadblocks and they go slow and then they get all jammed up. And it's just like a highway of when you have people traveling at oh, seventy miles an hour and one person breaks, then everybody else feels the ripple effect of that mm. two miles back. So construction can typically be like that, where you have everybody that's trying to go a different speeds, trying to work in well, different you, areas. You gotta try and create a consistent rhythm of getting everybody moving the same speed, the same distance apart. that becomes challenging because some work doesn't fit neatly into these buckets but if you can start to level off as much as possible and start to break the work into these more manageable sections where you can get things moving at a consistent pace and it mightn't be the fastest guy mightn't be happy because he needs to slow down and the slowest guy mightn't be delighted because he needs to have or he or she needs to supplement with two crews instead of one but that everybody is moving at a more common pace Mm. then you limit your work in place and then you start to like be able to be able to turn over um turn over product more quickly
0: yeah no i mean because we've everybody's seen it right we've all had our job where it's one subcontractor that is a problem and they drag everybody down with them because like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a flow. Yeah. And you can only go
1: as fast as the slowest rate. So like Mm. that is just, you know, you got to figure out where your bottleneck is and then you got to figure out how you manage that um, and how you address it. Because sometimes you can, you can mitigate some of that.
0: Mm. Could you send me those European companies that you were referring to that have dropped their cost? I would be, I'd be really excited to okay. yeah. um, to read that. Uh, yeah. And now let's get into the contentious one because I have to take my son to practice, and I don't want to uh, miss this. Um, <clears throat> you know you you talk about how um, it improves worker satisfaction, um, becomes more enjoyable. Uh, less rework, which I'm completely on board with because everybody hates rework. Well,
1: there is nothing that is more annoying than having to do rework.
0: Yes. Um, if we... Uh, you know, I question if we get to this hyper productive place, do we start to lose satisfaction when we become like robots? Where... Everything becomes so mechanized that um, we lose the craft and become almost like just a cog in the machine of production. Um, I
1: I don't see how that happens. Um, you know, I suppose one of the one of the challenges is if if you have a dedicated line where you're producing something Mm -hmm. then maybe that particular task it gets repetitive and Mm -hmm. to if if you have something that's set up where somebody is truly only doing the same repetitive task over and over again that's Mm -hmm. something to definitely watch out for and you know we want to be able to create some type of an environment that becomes challenging to our workers of you know maybe you're on this part of the line for a week and then you do some more training and you end up on a, another part of the line and mm. uh, people are, are trained in multiple different areas because um, should somebody be sick or anything, we want to have people be able to fall in line with different, different parts of the mm. system. Um, that's important. And then when you build on the approach of... If everybody is coming into things with the same mindset of how can we do this better and bringing forward ideas and seeing some of those ideas being put into action, then their work and their contribution becomes more satisfying and more enjoyable. Um, And that's like kind of a production mindset mindset type. But Mm -hmm. in the field, you know, if we can build more modular components and we can deliver them in time our craftspeople are still doing the work that they were doing before they're just not doing the the frustrating work of having to go fishing for things having to go finding things they're still doing a connection of a you know a bathroom pod to whatever stack it attaches to or they're still doing a connection of a rack to a rack there's still the craftsmanship with that you know, there's still the satisfaction of putting these pieces together.
0: You don't think they... Um, and I'm, I'm taking this side. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, but I like to have these thought exercises. Um, you know, if historically you were making the cuts on the plywood, right, and then bringing yep. it over and setting it and you know, and hanging it and maybe routering some edges. Whereas now there's the cutting station, there's the hanging station, there's the routering station. Do you, yeah, you're still doing the hanging, right. And you're doing it in a better environment than you would have done it before. But do you lose something when you're not, you know, part of that whole process and you're, you're more just kind of a specialist than a, generalist? Um, or do you think I might answer for well, you? I mean, I I could see, I can see both sides of it, right? And I can mm-hmm.
1: see you know, before we used to like mark out and we used to like strike lines for all kinds of things and we used to have to do, you know, when I started off as my um, as a engineering internship it was a theodolite and we had to like figure out every point with a pogo stick of where that uh, theodolite would would point and how to do layout mm-hmm. and as we've made layout more easy it is now you know a total station where we can find that point like so rapidly and so instantly and mm-hmm. nobody would go back to the old system yeah. of going to cad and figuring out your location and then writing it in a notebook and bringing it out in the field and putting it in doing spending all this time on setup Mm. to find one point and then to do the same thing over again and the same thing over again and the same thing over again Mm. and you know when we make the work easier then we gradually just fall in line of like this is a better approach and Mm. we would naturally never go back to you know just like we would never pull out a map anymore and figure out our route. We just go on Google maps and we punch in where we're going and like,
0: or I'm not going to grab a handsaw to start cutting a a two by 10. Right. Like
1: we know of battery power and we like people don't use Manual hand tools anymore it's just not yeah. a thing mm-hmm. um and i I see the point i see like I see the skill in the craft of like bending pipe and you know making skilled cuts and you know a uh like a millwork shop before used to have lots of different tools, and now we end up bringing in a cnc machine to the mix, and it kind of can do mm-hmm. so much more um And that is a challenge of like, Mm. how do we keep the craft really engaged with the skill of the trade and how do we still, you know, have those uh, key elements? Um, But I I think the world is changing of we are leaning towards the environment that we do things on a site is not ideal most of the time. So how do we push some of that into a more ideal environment? Mm. And you know how do we manage our job site better and that means try and push some of those elements off site where we can have a better worker comfort element and um, where we can have better break rooms and better conditions for our tradespeople where they can be more ergonomic um, mm-hmm. you know the consequence is that sure we can put out push out more product but like it's better for everybody to be you know, in a comfortable work position than to be on your knees, bending around something, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, braise something or whatever, you know? So like when you can find all those positives, then it's, it's better for everybody.
0: Yeah. So kind of, a, yeah. So realistically acknowledging the negatives, but at the end of the day, a, a net positive.
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah, like it's not hard. It's very hard to make change. It's very mm. hard to do something in a totally new way. Um, and there can be a lot of failure and challenges um, mm. along the way. But like that, when you get when you get on a super complicated building that doesn't have straight walls anymore, then it forces you to into, you know, a new situation where you got to think radically differently. And, mm. and all the method of layout doesn't work anymore when you have, you know, a new challenge in front yeah. of you.
0: Yeah. And there's something to be said, you're just, your point about cross training people. So you're not, you know, just doing the same yeah. thing over and over and over again. Cause that monotony will just push people yeah. out. Right, like,
1: And that's some of the insight that I've got from doing some of the tours of manufacturing and all that. Like my idea of a manufacturing plant before I had gone into some was that it would be a very repetitive task, but that is not actually what happens. There's so many skilled trades. Every unit that they typically put through a manufacturing plant is different from another unit. Mm. And um, the, the, process needs to account for that and one of the ways they do this is they bring people in and they start training them in one skill and then they train them in another skill and then they build up their knowledge bank that they can work in different parts of the of the factory on different on different processes um and that manages many different things it manages that that satisfaction factor of i want to do something different manages your skill, that you're building competency in in multiple different areas. And then, you know, in the factory um, mentality, if some people are off or if there's challenges with labor, then people can fill in on different parts of the process too.
0: Mm, Awesome. All right. Let's do the final question. What do you think we'll see more of? What do you think we'll see less of over the next two, five, 10 years? Like I said, everybody, you can pick one. You can pick the other. It's kind of an open-ended question, yeah. but basically, wh- where do you see us going? And it doesn't don't feel like you're held to lean, right? It could just be oh, we'll sh- see a different insurance structure. What do you, what do you, um, what do you think we see more of? What do you think we see less of? Pick one. I mean, both.
1: I'm definitely interested to see how technology will influence construction because it. Tr- I mean, it has influenced construction a lot, but like, there's so much more room for growth. And you know, when um, when you can truly get uh, AI that can predictively uh, see what's required in the future and predict out, but also take instant measurement of where we are right now and start to like make decisions based on that. I think that will be impactful, Um, and it'll be everything. It'll be sensors of what are on site. It'll be measuring of you know laser scanning of where we are right now versus where we're supposed to be, Um, and I think that type of adoption will, once the right tool is available, it'll it'll happen pretty rapidly because there'll be no choice in the matter.
0: Nice. All right, um.